out there, Foxy fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxy Podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from the United States of America, all parts of it. We're coming from the West Coast up top here, Chris and I. Uh, here in San Diego, and then down below us here in the uh, in your viewing, um, you know, picture that is, we have uh, Jason and Jim from the New York and Texas Foxes, uh, respectively. We'll start with Jason. How are you, my friend? It's uh, it's I don't even know what to say at this point, my man. Yeah, man, I'm just uh, I think I'm a little bit fired up and ready to just jump right in today for sure. Good, because uh, Chris and I are dealing with about 150 degree heat here in San Diego, so we're already warm enough, aren't we, Chris? Yes, sir. it's been a hot one. It's going to be a hot one for the next. I think it's a hot one for many a reason at this moment in time, including the managerial seat at Leicester City. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely filthy hot here. It's going to be filthy hot through the rest of the week. But uh, yeah, like Jason said, full of, I don't know, just the ability to rant on what that was today. Just shocking. Literally, yeah, record-breaking heat. It was 89 when the I went out to my car this morning at uh, 5.30 uh, to go to the bar. It was 89 degrees, Jim. That's uh, that's Texas hot, right? Like, we could qualify as Texas foxes now, right? Well, I, I know. I, I guess California is moving to Texas, so maybe Texas is moving to California. <laughs> hey, wow. You're and by the way, Californians are welcome to Texas, in my opinion. We're, well, I might have to come there, dude. If this stuff keeps up, this is insane. <laughs> um, guys, gentlemen, it is uh September 4th, and we are right in the middle of a managerial uh nightmare. We this is something that you know, even the optimist uh part of myself had like hoped that once the season got started, you know, uh, the boys got behind the club, uh, the world the fact that it's a world cup year and guys are going to be playing. I thought everything would work itself out. Everybody was going to make this um, work and it hasn't Chris. It's just where it we're in full, full tailspin now uh, on all sides. And uh, yeah, anything that you can say uh, to, I don't know, shed some light or your opinion on this. Cause all right, man, it's okay. gone worse and worse. I'll go. F- I'll go try my best to put that fantastic optimistic front on i mean we can score goals i think that is probably the only highlight of is that we can go to these teams and we can score goals um i thought daka and Inacho were pretty good up top today i thought they had they were motivated they led the line pretty well um but yeah matt i think that's pretty much all i've got it's like we can score we can't we're not very good on the other end of the pitch, but if we can fix that at that end, we're going to win some games because we can score goals. So normally when teams go down, it's because they concede and they can't score. So if I'm being a glass half full guy, which I want to be on this podcast, then I'll say the fact that we're going to, we can score goals at the top end of the pitch means even by complete luck at some point, some team's going to have a shocker on the other end. And we're going to win a game that way. But I think the fact of the matter is it was tough today. Um, I think some of the players we desperately need at the moment just didn't turn up. I thought Matters, I think the moment he gave the ball away for that goal, his head just dropped. And when his head, when Matters' head drops, we're in trouble. We were in trouble last season when that happened. And we're again today. We're in trouble. And I mean, I'm sure Jason and Jim will talk more about this, but 
some of the tactics and formation. I think we changed formation at least four times today. We played every player, it seemed, out of position. It was just nuts in that sense, mate. And I think if you're going to have that lack of stability and cohesion, then results like this today are going to happen. Yeah, shambolic defending, um, just a nightmare at the Amex today. Uh, a team that in the past we've kind of prided ourselves on being able to just handle and say that, you know, we're not a mid-table, like literally hung our hat on the fact that we're not a mid-table team. We're beating these teams, and Brighton was one of those teams that we consistently had no problem with. And they're a well-coached team by Graham Potter, and um, we uh, we saw the the difference in managerial um I don't even know confidence of the word Jason right now. Like we, we just saw what a real manager looks like versus what the fuck we got right now. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think, I think you can in the Premier League, the, 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 there are just too many good teams, right. And too many teams that, that can play decent football. Um, I think you can take personnel you can, and scrap it. Everything starts with how well a team is prepared, but I don't care who's on who the other 11 is. The side that is the better prepared unit is going to win more times than not. And what we saw, like Chris, what you said was we had changing formations. Well, leading up to the game, you know, another, more wholesale changes in the setup. And throughout the game, constant changes. And again, I, I just kind of like the constant refrain. I just keep saying it week after week. We are a team that doesn't know where the players are on the pitch. And we're playing against sides that are have this drilled into them. They know where their teammates are in their sleep. And they know the type of football they're trying to play. And everybody knows their role. No one knows their role at Leicester City Football Club right now. I don't even think like the water guys know their role right now. It, it literally, it just, everyone just kind of stands around and looks around. Oh, is it my job? Is it, this, is it my turn to do something? And I think one of those glaring, uh, positions that i've honestly i've defended him hand and foot till the end but danny ward this week oh my god jim uh wow (sighs) go ahead that's all i got to say we'll get back into it but danny ward (laughs) i've i've done everything i can defending him the guy can block a shot holy shit the guy can block shots Uh, i did it again today but the man's decision making as far as um playing uh where to play the ball and playing the ball with his feet is just catastrophic and we saw it today with possibly one of the uh the the slow the best capture of a slow motion fuck you that i think we've seen in a long time um in professional sports jim yeah i think um danny ward couldn't couldn't make a decision at the, at the mcdonald's dollar menu right now um I know we've been, I think like a few of us have said that he's been doing, uh, I think what, what people at my work call a yeoman's job. So basically turning up, it may be not his you know real job day job. I'm not sure if it is anymore. Um, but organizing the back four is not something that he can do. And I know we've been chopping and changing the back four a lot, but he's been the constant amongst, amongst that group. And for those people who have been goalkeepers, you know matt i know you've been a you're a goalkeeper i was a goalkeeper at college people have met me probably shocked at that and the one thing i had was you know you organize the people in front of you and you tell them what's happening you you talk to them the whole game and you make sure that if they don't know their job you damn well tell them what their job is and he doesn't do that look 
I don't, was it his fault that we lost today? No. Is he instilling confidence in the back? Whatever we're playing four, five, three. I don't have a clue at the moment. No, he's not either. Um, like, I don't think Casper was the best organizer of defenses in the world, but he had something that at least they probably listened to him. Um, but I think you hit it on the head earlier, Chris, with what were we doing today? You know, we didn't learn lessons from from Thursday. I know we haven't talked about Thursday yet, and I'm not sure if we want to. But um, once again, we concede a goal with our fullbacks getting caught on the halfway line with no chance to recover. And it was almost like it was a great 46 seconds or whatever it was this afternoon, this morning, no matter where you were. But it went downhill pretty quickly from there. Man, yeah, exactly. What a great start. Chris, like we were, we were going crazy. Oh, I missed yeah. it, Matt. I was late to the, I was late to the game. Well, you have quite in. the commute now. You have, the commu- it's not as easy commute for you uh, as it used to be. I walk in soon. and we one nil up, and I turn to you and I'm like, should I just leave at this moment in time? Like, is this? Am I just like the rabbit foot not turning up to these games and we go one nil up? But I honestly, honestly, it's insane when you think about, you know, taking the game by the throat, right? like that in the first minute how many times have we seen lesser teams in the past that have done that same thing and then we don't stop and you know we come out with a four nothing or a four one win jason so i think like the the fact that there's just all here we get these leads and then just piss them away immediately it's it's a great i you know it's it's just it's a great representative of where this team is well, we're just going to continue to do that until something changes. And we're going to continue to do that until the squad knows the type of football that they're supposed to play and that there's some kind of rebuild in the confidence of the players and some kind of, you know, clarity and consistency. Um, we have a consistent lineup. We have a consistent group of players. We've had the same core for the last three years. It's not going to change very much going into January. Everyone should know exactly what to do, exactly what to do, where to be on the pitch. No one knows what to do. No one knows where to be on the pitch. And I really, I think it's only coming really from, from one place right now. Yeah, clearly the fans, because it's our fault, according, yeah. to, um, according to the press conference today. It's really crazy. It's really crazy. Jim, Jim is referring, for those of you who don't know, Brendan now is literally flailing like an infant in the pram um because the guy now has blamed i i don't who's next the uh, physios of, um, multi I mean, pies at half yeah maybe. exactly the the pe- people working in the in the the janitors at the kp like i honestly jason how pathetic is it that now you're coming after the fans and i understand the fans have not been happy to him even before Stockport. The fans weren't happy with him. But it, it, to do this now, man, what a terrible look. Yeah, well, I don't know if you wanted me to get going on the rant this early, but um, I, Brent, Brendan Rodgers gets paid a lot of money. He gets paid an exorbitant amount of money. He gets paid in one season what a whole row of the visiting fans might dream to make. And... These are folks who are spending a lot of their time, a lot of their money to travel all the way down to go to these games. Um, we have people now making decisions between going to see their favorite football club that have been watching for decades and now paying their utility bills, which are now out of control. And the cost of living crisis is becoming 
absurd right now in the UK and, and in other parts of the world. And this is, you know, managers never really tried to get the fans on his side, even when things were going well. Um, a guy who probably, I, I mean, I just hate to be this harsh, but a guy who probably wouldn't be caught dead um, inside a Leicester pub or walking around in a Leicester shop and now is trying to say what the fans think and why the fans are upset and then also blaming the fans in just a really kind of cheap, transparent kind of ploy to kind of make himself look better, I suppose, you know, for um, his next employer. Uh, I just think I just it's insulting to, to do that to these folks who do support the team. Um, and I think he said it all. He was like, well, you know, you, the, you need to be cheering and doing these things because, you know, the players are um, nervous when playing the ball out of the back. It's like, well, maybe you don't have the side to keep continue to do this. We're not going to out football our way out of this. And maybe the players would have a little bit more confidence to make these plays if they weren't getting thrown under the bus constantly. It's one thing you'll see the great managers, the real winners out there. They will never throw their players under the bus um, the way the way we've seen. Um, and there are countless instances of this happening. When Yeah, we've made mistakes. Players have made mistakes. But before he's even gone to the press conference, still on pitch side, throwing players under the bus or criticizing them or saying what they did wrong on certain goals, you would never see a... Oh, I don't know. Maybe someone can find some clips of some other managers, but I can't remember Pep Guardiola or Klopp or any of these types of managers that you want to put yourself up against doing anything like that. And the players are clearly playing with no confidence and no idea what to do. And this is just the latest kind of insult to injury now, just to, to now sort of put the, throw the fans into this and put them on top of the flame. It's, um, it, I, I, it, I, and, and now to also say all oh, fans are booing because of transfer activity. Like it just, it's, it's, it's insulting. It's um, it, it's first of all, it's, it's wrong. It's dead wrong. And it's, it has to stop already because there's no coming back from this. Like there's uh there are clubs where a manager maybe could get away with like, you know, again, flailing out at something, flailing out at ownership for, you know, what they had or hadn't done for a club. This ain't the club that you can go after ownership at all, bud. And I think maybe that's why we've seen now that he's going after the fans because he knows that there's no grasp there, man. Well, look, there are issues happening on the business end, right? Like we're the only Premier League side that couldn't make you know, any real signings. And um, so obviously there are some issues, right? There's things that need to be corrected on the finances. Uh, King Power isn't going through the best time right now uh, on their end. Um, so some serious adjustments need to make. And I think some serious, you know, questions need to be asked about how the finances are being handled um, at the club. But at the same time, this is a guy who gets to work in football paradise at Seagrave. They, they built this incredible complex for him to go to work in every day and to, you know, get paid, what, eight, ten million dollars or eight million pounds, pounds a year to do that job and to manage. Um, and and I, I would think that, you know, if you're going to question your players professionalism, like we've seen over and over again, then maybe it's time to, to, to look in the mirror and, and 
um, really, you know, be honest with yourself and be honest with everybody else. It's getting uh, getting real ugly, Jim. Your thoughts um, on the current state of things with Brendan and uh, his comments after today's match? I, I think Jason said summed it up for everybody. It's it's getting borderline unprofessional. I think it's it's certainly not helping. I don't think it's helping us get out of the situation that we're in. I don't know how any of what he's saying is constructive. I can't imagine how you want to turn up to work on Monday as a player and think, oh, yeah, I want to you know, go and play for this guy. Um, I, I don't think that the players have down tools. I don't think we can fault their effort at all. I think that's one of being probably the silver lining on this season that the players are trying. Look at look at the goal we gave away. Madison getting caught with the ball. He dropped so deep that because he tried, he was trying to make something happen today. Um, mm -hmm. The fact that whatever formation we're playing, some weird column formation of you know two 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 two, and then the only width we had was our two fullbacks who were on the halfway line when Madison gave the ball away thirty yards out or thirty five yards out, and you know they can't get back. You know, could Luke Thomas have tried to bust his gut to cut off Casado? Maybe. I think he could have at least put put some effort in, but it, that's not the point. I don't think that point is that it's it's effort. I think it's it's just confusion, as Jason said. I don't like. I don't, I don't know what we're trying to do. You know, we're playing long ball against Man United, and it seemed to be going well. And we let a goal in, and it just collapses. We score a goal today, and we then let in a soft goal again from sort of you know really a nothing cross that should have been dealt with probably two or three times. And, you know, you, you sort of think, where's the keeper? Where's the defenders? This guy, you know, goes in at the back and it's an own goal, unfortunately, because of the confusion. But I think confusion is the optimum word. Like, I, 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 that, that's the sad thing. It's not, it, there's no structure, there's no plan. And there's no, there doesn't seem to be a plan when we, when we do sort of make changes either. And that that's where I can't like that. Like that to me is what I think as Leicester fans, you know, we've been, you know, you've talked to your friends who are not city fans and they're like, Oh, well, you should be grateful. He got, he won you the FA cup. He did this. I think it's like, if we're brutally honest, you know, we did, we had a fairly good season, but the FA cup saved, saved that season. Last season, we had a run in Europe that sort of saved our season again. You know, we were, overextended and then we've had you know two fifth places amazing look if you're looking at it on paper two fifth places an fa cup win semi-final in europe yeah if you don't watch leicester every week what are you what are you complaining about yeah, if you, you watch every week you think wow we bottled it twice we saw it coming in the season apart from the fa cup sort of got there i'm never gonna say you know brendan didn't deserve all the accolades he got from winning the fa cup and he took it seriously and we won it but a lot of the writing's been on the wall and I don't think any of us are sort of super surprised that the wheels have come off a little bit and I don't think any of us like it I don't you know I was seeing people today on Fox's talk and places like that oh we went one nil up did people not read the plan it's like hey I'd rather win and get out of this I don't care who the manager is the team's bigger than everything but um yeah I, I you know, I think we're all going to get up at 3 a.m. tomorrow or 
4 a.m. or 2 a.m. To, to check if there's a press conference at 9 a.m. UK time. It's such a good point about that FA Cup year, too, because we remember we play the same. For those of you who maybe don't remember, we play the same Chelsea team a few weeks later for a chance to finish in the top four and shit down our leg uh, in, in lack of better terms. So that's a that's a great, great point there, Jim. Jason, your thoughts, man, anything you want to add? Yeah, well, I mean, that European uh, last year, we had a side that was the players were completely run into the ground. And just injuries everywhere and horribly mismanaged. Clearly, I mean, that just doesn't happen. That's it's not a fluke that you have a season, another season like that, where just players are just injured up and down the lineup. And every time you try to get them back, you're not making it better. Uh, we have players like, you know, I worry about, you know, great young player like Justin, James Justin. I worry about Ricardo. Um, these guys were were on top of the world and were just incredible to watch. And then we see the way that their injuries have been managed, and um, it's sad. Um, we went on that run in Europe, which kind of saved the season. And I had one of the most surreal experiences of my life, getting to go to Rome and going go to a semifinal, which was incredible. And thank every single person at the club, including Brendan Rodgers, who helped make that happen. But that was a competition that we backed into, we lost into, and the year before didn't even exist. And the manager didn't even know that we would back into that competition after finishing third place in our Europa group, which a Europa group we should have sleepwalked through. So the, the, like Jim said, the, the writing's been on the wall. And but what we've seen, though, over these years is there's a consistent pattern. Every time things kind of start to go a little wrong, it's always someone else's fault. It's a player's fault. It's the player did this. It's a, it's never some outside boogeyman. Like you see the real great managers, like they always find a way. They blame something that the other team is doing. They, they attack the officiating. They just do these types of things and then sort of keep everyone together behind the scenes. But with us, it's always one of our guys who's the problem when it comes to, to, to our manager. I think people are just sick of hearing this for so long. And we're also sick of hearing the club talk down the way it has been for, for all of these years. Um, if you, um, if, if Brendan Rogers wrote the history of Leicester city football club, you would think that we had just finished 17th by the skin of our teeth the year before he took over. Um, and that's just not the case. He inherited a very good squad. Um, and a lot of those players are still with us. And we are falling to a depth that was much lower than, than, than what he in, had inherited. And this is a club that, you know, this is a, this is a proud club. But it's a proud city. And I think people are just tired of the, I'm not going to speak for, for Lester with my New York accent. But uh, who wouldn't be tired of 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 the the just the the acts and and just all of that crap being told to you like after all this like we know what the truth is we know you know what state the club was in when it, when he took over we know that things aren't good right now with the finances but it's not 
the time to complain. We have one point out of six games. Like that is just atrocious. How many how many clubs in history of the league have stayed up after collecting one point out of, out of six games? How many managers have stayed in the job after a run like that? It's got to be a very, very, very short list. And man, I, I, you know, we, we've like Jim brought it up earlier. We haven't really got into United yet, but it was just such a stark contrast because if you watched United, um, there were points where we were like, okay, maybe the team is going to, you know, win in spite of, of what he's doing managerially. Like these guys are going to do something because it was a hard fought game. Um, and one that really made you think that there might be better results coming. Uh, and I think that that made just, you know, today's result just that much harder to eat up, Chris. And then, yeah, like you said, Jason, then to, to come on and just blame more of the shit. And, and then this time to go on the fans, it's yikes. Man, it feels like a, it feels like Rogers is just having a job interview out in the open. It feels like every question he's asked by the media is like almost he's using it as the next chairman or the next chief executive he's going to meet, whether it be Villa, whoever it would be, and being like, so what happened here? What happened there? And he's just, like Jason and Jim have pointed out, just throwing us under the bus. Like, you look at, to, to your guys' point, you look at the best managers in the Premier League. You, Alex Ferguson would ne- would have absolutely tear, teared people's hairs off in the dressing room, would have... He threw a boot at Beckham for crying out loud. Like, but in public, the guy was 120% behind his players, no matter what they did. I mean, Roy Keat, like Eric Cantona, Kung Fu kicked a fan in the crowd. And and Fergie was just like, yeah, it was bad, but okay, we'll move on to the next. Like, I want that guy defending the team to these guys' point. I just want somebody that has that passion and enthusiasm for the club. And to what Jim and Jason said, like, you don't see that with Rodgers. You just see this as the stepping stone to the next thing. And that's not what I want as a manager. I want somebody who sees this as an opportunity of a lifetime, a chance to go and take the club to places that they've never been before. And you just don't get that with Rodgers anymore. And I mean, we can, def- I've defended him. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm a glass half full guy as always, but it, it's just awful, Matt. It really is. And I mean, are you talking about Thursday? I thought Thursday, again, epitomized this season in the sense that there was a team there that was prime for the taking. Like, just like Chelsea the week before, this United seat, this United team is going to get better. But they're not great at this moment in time. They're a bang average United side. Like, I feel we could have won that game. I really did. Like, but it's just that the tactics, the lack of aggression, giving the opportunity for the lads to go get the to go take it. And it, it's just, yeah, I, oh, my, to, I, yeah, I'm, it feels very deja vu as oh, I think all football fans can appreciate this, but like, it does feel like the time's come for a change now. Like you well, think back, it feels akin to those days when it was like the last bits of Peter Taylor, the last bits of Mickey Adams, the last bits of, for more recent Leicester fans, that kind of, as Puel kind of got to that point where it was so negative. It it just feels like we've come full circle now and it's time for a change. I, I kind of think it feels a bit more like Ranieri. Ranieri. Because if, again, back to my comment about if you're not a Leicester fan, you look at and like you've got Rogers, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's a young, hip manager with loads of energy, apparently. Um, and 
we're going through a bad patch, but if, if you watch us, we're bereft of ideas. It's individual moments are keeping us in games, not, not structure, not, mm-hmm. no, we would have, if we'd have taken a point from Man United on Thursday with that last minute, you know, Samari long ball, Daka kills it, lays it off to JJ. And if he'd have buried that and we'd have taken a point, that would have been a pretty amazing robbery, I think, because Man United didn't need to go out second gear after they they scored their goal. You know, I think we stayed in the game because they just went, okay, cool. Um, play, have the ball. You're not going to do anything. Um, and we nearly did something at the end and we would have bloodied their nose. And I think that's the thing we all... We all love being Leicester fans because we love bloodying people's noses and we want to shove it up there, you know, big spending, top of the league, entitled backsides. You know, I'm sick of, well, you should be grateful to be a Leicester fan. We, If you look at how many clubs in the last, like, since we won the league, we have been up there as one of the most successful teams. And look, are we in the financial situation because we've tried to to, to compete and it's maybe not paying off or, you know, I don't know, we you know, we don't know the ins and outs. You know, is, has Seagrave been a bit move, too much of a stretch, to be honest? Or you know, King Power, as you said, Jason, is it's not been ideal for King Power with um, with the pandemic. But at least we had plan, we outworked people, we out, you know, we outplayed people, we outfought people. And, you know, I don't think we're doing that now. And, I, you know, I don't think players are Frankly, I don't think they give it. They're like waiting for the next manager too. I feel. Yeah, look, it was a marketing ploy, but hashtag fearless yeah. was real. It worked, right? <laughs> we didn't care who we played or how much money they had or how much how little we spent. That's just not what Leicester is supposed to be about. No. Like we're supposed to be about like yeah, like putting the two fingers up to to one of those big spending sides, and it's a great opportunity for Rogers to like. Get out there, just like get everyone rallied behind him and say, like, something is wrong with the game this these days. You know, teams shouldn't be able to just go and spend and do all this and kind of like make everyone else the bad guy again. But again, he's, you know, looking for the next job probably and wants to manage one of those clubs and splash all the cash. And so he's not going to say that. And also that will just kind of make it – he doesn't want to be attached to this current failure. And he's trying to separate himself from the results that have his name all over them. And so we're just not getting that. And now we've got, you know, four windows here on YouTube and four guys from all over the place, just with all the same thought, like, what the hell is this? Like, enough already. Yeah, teams that, it's a great point, you know, fearless. Like, that team had an identity. And this team, like, there is zero identity to any of this team besides, um, like you said, a manager looking for his next job and um, players that are just kind of like, well, fuck you, man. If you're not going to give a shit, why, why, why should any of us? And then you you throw in the excuses and, and the finger pointing and it's just it's a self-replicating cycle, Chris. Um, let's talk about some of the lineup i mean i almost don't even know if it's worth talking lineup changes because i feel like he's just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks at this point there we've seen no you know rhyme or reason to what's happening uh when fans call, have been calling out for nacho and daca you know he sticks jamie out there on an island by himself with no service and then 
uh, does the exact opposite today. He finally does put, you know, the boys, uh, our African boys up top and they produce within, you know, like literally within a minute, they, they do the job. Um, and then it's, it, it was like he, in spite of his bites, what's, what's the saying you bite your nose in spite of your face. And I don't know, Jason, it, it's, it's literally one of those points now where it's where everyone is just waiting to see where the next stone falls. And, and we even talked about delaying the podcast a little bit to see when this is going to happen, if we might have yeah. some news, if we waited till tomorrow. So yeah, it, it's yeah. a weird spot to be in. Yeah, Jim Jim said it, I think, earlier, and we lucked out. We have uh we've been saved by moments of individual brilliance. It's going back a while now. Um, we don't create enough chances and we give up a lot of chances, but we have a group of players who are incredible at converting chances in Vardy, Barnes, Madison, Daka, and Ianacho now. These guys can make goals happen, but you just how can you win a football game though when you have to score three, four, five, six, seven goals a game? You just it's not gonna happen. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. The defending today was shambolic at times. I mean, their first goal, I mean, where <laughs> just the, well, they're like the, what every, we used every to goal be, man. had the same thing in common though. It was a lack of press, and then just as Jim and Jason have pointed out as well, our fullbacks are so high up the pitch that all of a sudden you've got two versus you all you all you're overloaded um, defensively, and you're in trouble at that point. I, uh, I mean, it. The first one, just like okay, they, they get one, they get one, you know, yeah. or I'm sorry, we get one, and instead of what, you know if it would have been us and what did happen with us is our immediately they score our heads go down and like this, we get that goal in the beginning and their team is, they just look at each other like that's some bullshit. Let's go. And they use that as a firing pin versus, you know, you watch what happened with us. It's the exact opposite. It was boom, 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 boom. Just no fight, Chris. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's, no, it's yeah. fair, Matt. It's a fair, it's a fair, and it could have been worse. I mean, <laughs> they had a absolute thunderbolt chalked off for an offside i mean it could have been worse but it I, I think the one that got me the most and i'll be intrigued by jim and jason's view on this was uh the second half substitutions where all of a sudden thomas is going to play at left center back a guy that is what one for for 145 pounds or for british people nine stone five wet like and we're supposed to stick him in at center half and expect him to go and expect him to do a job there I mean, that was, I, I've seen, we've seen a few crazy moments this season, but that might be up there in terms of bonkers moments is like sticking Luke Thomas left center back in this, in this, uh, in the game. But it, yeah, it, it, I didn't understand the formation we were playing. It looked like in the first half, we started four, three, three, we may have gone four, four, two at some point, uh, another point to Jim, we may have been playing a column. We could have been playing a Christmas tree. I have no clue at all. And if I don't have a clue as a fellow watching the game, then, I mean, I can't blame the players for not having a clue because by the time they get comfortable in a, in a formation, all of a sudden Rodgers is going, no, we're going to revert it to another thing. So, yeah, shambles, Matt. Just shambles. Absolute shambles. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Matt. 
I was just going to say a a great catalyst. And, you know, we we talked a little bit about how crappy matters look today. But, dude, like, I I can't imagine being a guy, a starlet like he is. And listen, (laughs) tongue in cheek or not, I've, I've given matters my fair share of stick on this podcast over the years. I've, you know, his immaturity at times um have it's driven me nuts some of his comments some of the way he's acted in the stands um but i think that we're seeing a guy now that is stepping into a role a mature he he is coming into his own as a player and now of course it's being met with brendan rogers lack of professionalism as a manager and the shit that's happening with that and it's going like this because matters today looked like a player with no leadership he looked like a player that was not excited to be there that knew that before he came out the locker room wasn't talking to each other and i mean shit guys look look at the interaction i joked about it earlier but look at that interaction between indeedy and danny ward like that doesn't can you ever imagine a player telling casper Schmeichel to fuck off like it wouldn't have happened but when you got a keeper and like i said i've defended him but when you got a keeper and his his jersey's too big like i think his jersey is just like a perfect uh you know representation of what i think the role just might be too big for danny but it's also encapsulating just the locker room altogether, man because there's just no confidence here guys it's a shame. James Madison is the best attacking English player. In Period. The, for me, far done. I mean, same. What he did last year, um, with with you know just the nonsense around him sometimes at the pitch with a midfield partner who just like didn't really seem like he wanted to be there very much, uh, was phenomenal. And having to play in a position that he doesn't normally play in on the right wing for a lot of that season. Um, the, the the guy can play. The guy should be playing in the World Cup. I think he's that good. Uh, didn't have his best game today. No one really uh, – Daka I thought was very good. Daka was a bright spot for me. Great finish. Um, but I can't – I'm not going to criticize any one guy on the team. And I'll even give, you know, Danny Ward, you know, my, my full backing from today, even though he didn't have his best game. Because I just cannot imagine how any of those 11 players – and any of the subs that were brought in could possibly play to their best potential with all of just the, the chopping and changing and just the, uh, the just lack of motivation that's coming from leadership to, you know, or it's, I, I, it's, for me, it's, it's no wonder why uh, no one had, you know, played play that played a great game because it's just how, how, how I don't know. I don't know. How can the manager think that any of these guys can perform at their best with just this ever just rotating set of, of, of tactics and that like every 15 minutes, it's like, let's spin the wheel and, you know, let's see where we're going to play now where Brighton knows exactly what they're trying to do out there with the pitch. Yeah, but again, the old thing, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Jim. Sorry. I think the odd thing is Yuri seems to starting to give a fuck again which is pretty interesting. He's actually trying, uh, you know, maybe look, I'm he's happy. Rubber meets the road time, man. He's got oh. no choice if he wants to get but into that. He's spot. actually like been running around. He's trying. I think we got to stop him tackling. Um, I think as, as Glenn says in the chat, it probably, it's definitely time for Mike style to take over the next game. If we can't figure out who, who is the next um, 
permanent manager. But um, I think like you're seeing players trying to take some ownership, but it's only certain individual players who are doing it. There's people who are sort of running around headless chicken. As you said, you know, the, the whole like Chris, the Indeedy Ward thing was like, that's like a Sunday league game where it's, you know, either, you know, it's the, it's the goalkeeper's first game and you're like, mate, what are you doing? Who are you? You know, or whatever. You shouldn't be seeing that. You know, I, I think that there's, you know, don't know if you disagree on that one, Jason, but. Um, Look, this wouldn't be the first, because we've been Leicester fans for a long time. It wouldn't be the <laughs> first time we've seen defenders and keepers and defenders and defenders yeah, yeah, go yeah. at each other. We had a back lines of, you know, Jerry Taggart, uh, you know, Matt Elliott, yeah. Steve Walsh. You had Robbie Savage out there, like guys giving each other and actually physically, like. <laughs> Uh, going after each other yeah, yeah. so i I, and I think they yeah i i don't think um wolf's exactly been as good as he was as stopgap last season either at center back he looks a bit lost um it, it's interesting that he's a midfielder yet he was the worst player out the back four with the ball as well um fair dues to brighton today they just didn't even have to press that hard and they put us under pressure you know, this was the thing. It's like Man United sat off and let us play and we kind of got to the halfway line and then we could start, you know, doing some whatever, right? But they were, you know, at that point, they were sort of 1-0 up and, and whatever. But Brighton pressed us and they put us in a lot of trouble. And I think you don't need to press us that hard to freak us out right now. And that's why Madison came back. He saw what was happening. He's like, guys, I'm going to give you an extra man. and Give me the ball and I'll turn. And someone was up his backside. He lost it. And the thing is, our fullbacks are half on the halfway line. They're not thinking, all right, okay, you're playing short to a midfielder. Let's maybe sit back. We're playing it short out the back and let's work this and play, you know, get neat triangles. It was, no, we're going to bomb on as much as possible. I think if I look at the heat map for Justin, and this is not a criticism, Justin, he was our right winger. He wasn't our right back. You know, Luke Thomas was sort of, that was actually, he was pretty deep the whole time, apart from the freaking goal that we gave away. Harvey Barnes just played left midfield, left wing, regardless of our formation. I think there was a bit of a gap between whoever was meant to be left midfield, center mid, if we were playing, you know, 4-2, four diamond or whatever it was, or 4-3-3. I don't know who our left midfielder was supposed to be, but... It was a humongous gap, like Harvey Barnes. I can I can see that maybe he's off because he's not following, you know, whatever tactics, and we wanted to match them, you know, three five two. However, he also terrified the crap out of when he got the ball. What we don't do is get him the ball quickly. We don't work to our strengths. We limit that, and we've been making substitutions that have made us weaker in the last, you know, this season. I was going to say in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, it's this season, to be honest. You know, I think we've all been dumbfounded with some of the changes. We've seen, you know, someone playing pretty well or like, okay, let's just do a like for like. Oh, we can't do a like for like. So now let's mix up our entire formation and mess it up. Like, what the hell, Brentford, you know, first game of the season, we should have probably seen what's happening now coming. You know, what what we were 2-0 up and we put on a freaking centre forward and draw 2-2. Two -two. It's... And it's our only move. Insanity. I think, like, 
yeah. is, yeah. is is the way I describe it right now. It feels, I think it feels like done. you got a, ma- a manager worrying instead of worrying about tactics to win a game, he's worrying about tactics to cover his own ass, and uh, or. That's or... Been... Or trying to make a point to the board, like, hey, I don't have the players, and this exactly. is what I have to do. I have to like, just play this crazy like, stuff. Too clever for his own good. He's like thinking three steps ahead, but the, the two steps in between make no sense. So he's skipping to this insane thing. Yeah, I'm going to stretch the play against Brentford and put on another striker because you know they're going to come at us and leave us a ton of space. How about you don't take off the midfielder who's pressing their midfield and you you don't weaken our midfield down to the point where we now can concede possession in the center of the park and do that. You know, I'm not a professional coach by any means, you know, I'm an amateur guy that like watch, watches football and has played a little bit and goes to the pub and chats to my mates, you know, that's it. But I can see that. Yeah. And, and Jim, what you're saying, like how, you know, unbalanced and everything, you know, was out there. I think when we all saw the lineup, and we saw, you know, uh, four backs, four midfielders, two forwards. We were like, oh, you know what? Things are working. The the tactics are every, everything is overcomplicated. Maybe he's having a Mike Bassett moment and saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, Leicester City <laughs> Football Club are going to play a four-four fucking two, <laughs> right?" And we're like, all right, let, yeah, simplify the game. Obviously, things are just getting a little too like. Let's make it simple and just go out there and play. And it was anything but a good bread and butter four four two. And I think it's incredulous we have one. Well, I'm going to say one winger, but we've got Mark O'Brien who can pr- play on the right. He can play on the left. Look, he, is he at the prime? No, but can he come in and just maybe stretch and play? We've got vice captain, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's the that that to me is another like amazing guy that Mark Albright is. But your vice captain should probably be someone who's in your starting 11 who can come in. And we know Johnny Evans is made of what glass, but so pick a vice captain who's going to maybe back him up and play. He's he's Johnny survived some knocks this year. I think again today. I know I know I wasn't the only one that had their tongue bit, like just praying he for that man to get up. He's been a bright spot as well. Yeah, I think he's maybe not hit the highs of last season. I think, but he doesn't give up. Like Madison doesn't yeah. give up. You know, I don't think any of the players sort of gave up, apart from Luke Thomas when he was tracking back for that first goal. But <laughs> poor Luke, <laughs> sorry. Um, I think we're all yeah. like dumbfounded, aren't we? It's just I. What we saw today was a Very team of a, t- a team of yeah, exactly. What we saw today was a team of Brighton players and manager, an entire squad of guys trying to make a name for themselves, versus a squad players and managers that think that they've made names for themselves and are ready for whatever the next step's going to be. There are two clubs in completely different mentalities right now. And that's just, uh, it was such a stark contrast. Um, I don't know, man. It, 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 if it, if it has to be the catalyst for change and what is finally going to make, like you said, if we're all getting up early tomorrow to see a press conference and, see the uh, you know title of the pod the get the corner flag out then maybe it, it is what it is and and we're and we're going forward um chris like yeah uh, any anything yeah, else you, that you, you wanted to hit? you you hope that 
so I, I thought he'd be gone this evening, to be honest. I thought it, I just, the way you, when you get tanked like that, that's typically um, the catalyst for an immediate change. The hope, the, if you're thinking, is he going to go, you would think maybe the club are doing some due diligence. Maybe there are, there are obviously things that have to happen for sorts of changes to happen. I mean, it's a lot of money. I mean, that's the problem when you're paying the third most expensive manager in the Premier League to be your boss is it's a hell of a lot of money. Say that again. Say that one more time. Just go ahead and say it third, just so people can... The third most expensive Premier League manager, I think, in the in the league. It's going to be a lot of money to buy him out. I mean... It, I, Jason, I think you said that's a summer signing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. There it is. There's a transfer budget right there. Two Josh Bowlers. I think, and you know, we're in a serious situation here. Um, we cannot flirt with relegation. I mean, look, if it happened, you know, and we we've done it before. All of us have have gone through it. We'll do it again. We'll continue to back the team. Everyone, most fans will right. Like that's just what we do. That's part of our identity as Leicester City fans. We're just. Doesn't matter where they're playing, who they're playing. This is our our our, our club, and this is who we're going to back. But I mean, these these uh, this information is public. Uh, you, you know, we have to be creative with financing. A lot of other clubs are doing this too to kind of get money up front because instead of having to wait a whole season to get your Premier League money, and when you take out these loans, the best way to kind of um, guarantee them is to put them against future Premier League winnings well that's not going to be there if you get relegated and so if we think that the financial situation is bad now it's going to be a whole lot worse if we go down so um it it's going to cost a lot to, to make a change obviously i'd never wanted anything to to come to this um i don't want the karma out there of like saying that someone should lose their job i just it's not the way i like to be it's not the way i like to, to talk but you know, this is a guy like we said earlier, like like you just said again, right here, Chris, is that he gets paid a lot of money to do this, and it's a it's a wonderful job in an incredible setting, in a state of the art, beautiful facility with a golf course in there as well. I mean, if any one of us or any of those fans that traveled to Brighton got to work there every day, you'd think you won the lottery, and you would have, right? You would have uh, you would have done something right in your life to to get there, and. Um, it's just we can't hear this anymore. We can't hear the same story, and we can't hear anybody else blamed. Um, you know, we've got a guy who's in, you know, a position that people would dream to be in, even if it is the stepping stone. Um, it's just uh, enough is enough, and this this club can't be taken for granted anymore. This club can't be talked down. And the supporters can't be taken for granted. And the supporters can't be talked down anymore. It's a great, great point, man. Um, let's. Uh, I, I think that's a great. Unless anybody else has anything to uh, add to that, um, we've got Villa coming up this weekend. Uh, now, well, next weekend, I should say, because it does feel like a week has gone by already since that match this morning. Um, Villa's weekend, and boy, talk about a club that's right on the same. Uh, t- the Midlands right now, not uh, Midlands football. It's going through a bit of a rough patch. Um, but 
Villa's in a in a very tough situation as well, and what a weird weird um time to be meeting each other. It does seem to happen that way when you got teams struggling. Uh, your thoughts going into Villa, Chris? Um, I, I honestly, you can make it real quick. We don't need to do a deep dive because who the fuck knows he's even going to be? You know, Craig Shakespeare could be in charge by the time we get back in there. <laughs> Matt, Matt for, for our new US listeners, we call this in the UK the proverbial six-pointer because this is the one where uh, seasons can be won or lost on these games when you're playing the team above you or two games above us. So it's the biggest game of the season by far. I mean, <laughs> we've got to win. I think it's just pure and simple. We've got to find a way, no matter how we do it. We've just yeah. got to win. I, it, you you lose these sorts of games, all of a sudden, the gap to Villa becomes even bigger. And if the gap to Villa is big, then that is going to be a problem for us this season because I think Villa are one of those clubs that are going to struggle. So, proverbial six-pointer map, got to win the game. Pure and simple. Jason, Jim, anything to add or the same, same uh, thoughts? Win, however, do whatever it takes to get points. I mean, hey, look, if the result doesn't come, the result doesn't come. But show everyone that you're doing whatever it takes just to get points. Agree. Hook or crook, we got to get the win. And I think the big thing is you talked about, you know, I think there was chat about you know, Gerard losing his job. But fair play to the guy. Villa didn't give up. They got a point yesterday. And he also said, look, if I have to compromise my own um, philosophy, if I have to do something that that means we get short-term wins and we do things and I'm messing up, then so be it. He took it on himself. And Phil, you know, mm. Phil Collins is his only weakness, as we know, um, when it comes to, <laughs> you know, sticking to his guns. So um, maybe that I'm wearing you know, two tight sweaters, but I don't know. We got to win. Um, and, but... oh, yeah, this is, this was, um, this was, um, it's a, a bigger match before, before Forrest was in back in the league. Thank you. Um, I just needed that one. <laughs> when, uh, when, when uh, Forrest look, was... it's football, all right? It's football. Let's have a little fun with it. Yeah, it definitely. is football. Definitely it is. Uh, this match obviously had a lot more on it. Midlands, Derby, whatever, whatever the hell you want to call it before we had Forrest back in the league. But now with Forrest struggles, their struggles and our struggles, it's definitely an important one. So uh, put it on the calendar, guys, next Saturday. Um, big, 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 big match for uh, the last boys. And, and we'll see who's in charge by then and and what is going on. Uh, Glenn Richardson in the chat says we need to have an identity before the Forrest game and could, could not agree more with you. And if you look back, um, Forest Cup. If you if you find it in the archives, Chris and I both were calling for Brennan's job um, after the Forest FA Cup loss, and I think that because of you know our optimism, um, the fact that we had a European ready squad the starting of the year this year, we all just kind of forgot and thought you know about the calamity that was the end of it, and thought, okay, well here we go again, get a fresh start, and man, were we wrong? So um great guys so let's uh let's talk real quick on the u.s fox's side of things about some turnouts that we saw today uh some amazing turnouts look like new york foxes had the biggest one of the year so far for you guys jason look like uh you guys were loud and proud yeah we had a good win a few folks that didn't make make the group photo but um we had folks from in from everywhere from over the pond new york the great state of new jersey as well and uh, and then also um 
gotta shout out Ben, the, one of the founders of Philly Foxes. We uh, got to he did an away day up by us um, for the game, so just love seeing the guy. Um, and CJ was holding it down for him down in Philly, but it, we had a good turnout. We were so you know belting out the songs and when thing the result wasn't going our way we sort of you know broke out some of the old classics and you know gave a little nod to Ewan Roberts, Anthony Knockhart um yeah the, those guys Esteban Cambiasso and uh tried to bring up break out some of the uh the old tunes and remind ourselves uh of the good times a lot of the 14 15 songs i think are going to make some comebacks this year i've made a personal that, pledge that i will only be wearing 14 15 kits until we get another win and uh let me tell you that nugent kit it does not fit as uh loosely as it used to uh but it was it was uh, repping it pretty hard this morning in san diego uh we had a great turnout chris let me say it, it was a 6 a.m match and uh we got 12 uh 13, actually, if you count Big Game Joe made an appearance there at the end for us. We had 13 of us, and it meant the world to me. Um, today is my birthday, and the guys all took care of me, and and uh, we we were singing all sorts of songs, and it was uh, it was a hell of a time, Chris. It was, Matt. It was. It, it still beggars belief that at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, 9,000 miles away from the little town where I was where I was born, that we can get. 12 13 people come and celebrate what we are as a club and so i will take those i will never take those days for granted it was absolutely fantastic and kudos to every single one of the guys that turned up it feels the best thing about and and i know we echo this every week but it really does feel like a family and Mm -hmm. it feels like you're making friends there that are just going to be the sorts of guys and girls that you want to spend time with outside and not necessarily just watching the games with so it was fantastic um but Matt, as you pointed out, it is your birthday today. So I know it's I know it's been a sad day for everybody, but I thought I've got you a little present maybe to kind of oh at boy. least wish you a happy birthday from somebody who might uh for US based Foxes fans may uh may recognize. So uh, let me give you a second uh and do this. Yes, Matt. I hear it's your birthday. And your boy Chris asked me to wish you the happiest of birthdays. And I also hear that you're a big Leicester and USA fan. So definitely keep up the support. So from a fellow goalkeeper, happy birthday, Matt. Peace. Amazing, dude. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Holy cow. Cameo, dude. Coming through with the clutch again. <laughs> the the only Leicester fat the only Leicester guy on cameo, but I thought it was just the most appropriate Leicester guy given he is uh given given his background, given everything, you being a goalkeeper as well. It's always I'm, I know Casey Keller meant a lot to you growing up, but I thought, you know what? If we can find fella Fox's goalkeepers, that's huge. Dude, that means the world to me. Thank you so much. And uh yeah, dude, like damn, how how good does he look, Jason? Damn. Get him out there, man. There's this That's a, what I'm you know, saying. Like young American star, um, you know, and I've heard lots of good things about him, and he's really, really tall too, which we could use on on corners. But um, you know, it's great to see um, you know good, promising young American players making the 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 leap over the pond and 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 playing in in, in top academies, and definitely a guy that that. I'm excited for his future, and um, I love the the opportunity to to get to cheer for him as you know a, an American goalkeeper in in the in the Premier League, and hopefully um, for Leicester City. Hopefully, he stays with us. 
Damn, man. That was so cool, Chris. Thank you so much, buddy. That's that that's awesome. And and we were talking this morning. Um, we'll end up with, we'll end with this. Uh actually, we we have a new member of the San Diego Foxes, a girl named Stephanie. She's um a recent joinee and convert. We brought her out for a few matches and she fell in love and ordered the jersey and and she's coming. She was there this morning and Arsenal played right after us, and it's an Arsenal bar, so there's you know a hundred. 20 arsenal fans that that start rolling in at towards the end of our game and stuff and um it was really cool when we pointed out to her it was like you know here are the 12 of us are every single one of us you know hanging out talking and everything and you watch a hundred different arsenal fans all come in and go to different parts of the bar and not say a word to each other and it is such a just contrast between what it means to be a fan of leicester city and what it means to be a fan of one of these faceless clubs that really don't have, I mean, they just, as try as they might, they want the community that we have. And, and it's such a special thing to be a part of. And um, even though it's dark right now, guys, like this is the best club in the world with the best supporters in the world. And um, yeah, I'm thankful uh, on, especially on a day like my birthday for all of the people and uh, this club and everyone associated with it and, and friends like you guys. So Thank you so much, <laughs> dude. Thanks for for spending some time on your your birthday with us, and you know you're you're like family to us, and you know this club and everything around it is family to us as well. And um, I'm just you know it's good to see your great to see your face on your birthday, man. I hope you're having a having a, as good of a rest of the day as as possible. I know your things are gonna get better tomorrow. I think you're gonna have a nice day planned tomorrow, but um, yeah. Dude, and, and on behalf of all all the guys in New York, man, we, we're all looking forward to seeing you again soon. And, and everyone wishes you a happy birthday. Can't wait. Yeah, playing Tory Pines tomorrow. Can't wait. It's going to be a great day. Um, but yeah, like uh, it will be seeing you soon. Let's use that as a perfect little transition into talking about Philadelphia once again, guys. Get it on the calendar, October 15th and 16th. Premier League mornings live in Philadelphia. NBC Sports event will be going on. And uh, that night before the Friday, the 14th, we are going to be having an official U.S. Foxes party, meetup, family reunion, whatever the hell you want to call it. It is going to be a blast in Philadelphia. It's going to be at Con Murphy's Pub. Keep your eyes peeled this week. We're going to be sending out an RSVP list for um, basically asking, can you make it? Um, we are still make finalizing it. a few. What's that? Make it. Yeah, make it exactly. Yeah. It's going there's to no, be worth it. There's no can, there's no try, there's just do. Do or do not, there isn't a try. There is no try. Yes, guys. Please come. Please make it to whatever excuse you got to. Um, but you're gonna want to be there because it's gonna be a great we're finalizing a few of the details right now about possible door prizes and raffles, whatever. Um, but there's going to be some awesome, awesome people and cheering for this club that we all love. And like we said, in a year like this, more than ever, we're going to need each other and the friendships that we've built around this club to remind ourselves of why we are who we are and why we love this club. So um, keep an eye out. Keep your eyes peeled this week for information regarding that. But like I said, guys, right now, turn in those forms to your boss. October, you know, I think that Monday or that Friday before, whatever you got to do, turn them in, get them in now so that you can join us in Philadelphia and the U.S. Fox. It's going to be awesome. Guys, anything else before we move on? Um, obviously, with this, it's going to be a crazy, crazy week for the club with news and rumors and um, anything that does or does not happen. 
Um, keep it centered on the U.S. Foxes account, the New York Foxes account, the Texas Foxes account, and uh, we'll have all the information and things like that coming forward as we receive them. Um, guys, if nothing else, I think we'll call it a week. Good. Awesome. Good. Happy Jim, birthday. Please. Happy Labor Day, everyone in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Have a good long oh, weekend. That's perfect. Everybody have a long, safe weekend. Uh, don't drink too much and uh, stay cool and all that good stuff. So for Chris, Jason, and Jim, I'm Matt. We'll see you next time on the U.S. Podcast. Thank you, guys. We will see you.